Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Today we are chatting with Pat Verducci. In addition to writing and directing the feature film True Crime, Pat has worked for Touchstone Pictures, Whit Thomas Productions, Disney Animation Division, and many others. Hi Pat, welcome to the show. Hi. Pat is an amazing writing coach and story consultant who has worked with emerging and professional writers and novelists and many TSL listeners. And I've worked with Pat and her notes are life-changing. Me too. Me too. Pat is joining us today to discuss how she approaches story as a coach and consultant, how we can learn to do some of that work ourselves and red flags that should keep our eye, you know, we should keep our eyes on certain things when working with coaches. So Pat Verducci, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm fan. I'm a fan. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Pat's also very wonderfully active on our Facebook page and has interacted with a lot of our listeners. It's so awesome. So um, the first thing we do, Pat, as you know, is our adventures in screenwriting. So what, how our week was. So Lorian, how was your week? Uh, great. I, I have to admit that every single time we record, I'm like, what did I do last week? Um, uh, so let's see. Uh, last week, I delivered a draft that I hope is the final draft to my manager so that it can go out into the world and everyone can enjoy it. Um, and then I uh, need to come up with a new idea. And I don't know what that is. So I am just waiting, writing ideas, seeing who shows up, wandering around in my imagination. Um, and so far, I don't have anything, but I'm trying not to panic. Just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, that's been my, oh, and this weekend, uh, Jeff, Meg, and I went to the San Luis Obispo Film Festival. We did a story workshop with an amazing group and we talked about taking your short and adapting it into a feature where Meg was brilliant as always talking to the writers. Um, so that was really fun. And San Luis Obispo is beautiful. Oh my God. I'm going to set a show there. It's so, so nice. So nice. Yeah. Bad windy this time of year, but. Yeah, it's a little windy. Also, or- none of my uh, LA clothes worked there. I was wearing like a shirt made of tissue paper and a jacket of cotton swabs. And I was like, I'm so cold. Meg's walking around in a puffer jacket because she's smart. So. I always yeah. have a puffer jacket, always, in my car. <laughs> um, and it was great. We were We were hosted by um the slow festival and randy and all of our it was everybody took such good care of us and we had a wonderful time talking to all of the all of the peeps over there pat how was your how was your week i my writing week was great i'm 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 writing a novel and i'm kind of in that stage near the very end i had changed my ending so i had to go back and like karate kick the beginning to like fit the ending and you know you don't realize like how many threads you have to kind of thread through the needle to get to the new ending and so it's been really it's been really fun but it's also been like oh my god it's a mystery so there's little puzzle pieces you know um 
but it's good. It's good. I actually posted on Facebook that I, I was trying to channel uh, Michelle Yeoh to like <laughs> get these pages done. Um, but yeah, it, it went well. I have to say, because I've read this novel. Is this the novel that I've read? Yes. It, it, for you? Yes. I, my heart is pounding that you changed the end because I fucking love the end. Not to send you into a spiral right now. Not to send you into a creative spiral. But my brain is like, what the fuck do you mean you changed the end? Like, I love the end. So let me tell you what I did. I got some feedback about the ending that it it felt like the character didn't deserve what she got at the end. So what I decided to do is I was like, okay, I've gotten this note from enough people that I am going to keep my original ending over here and I'm going to try this new ending in a, you know, a different draft. And so I'm trying to kind of make that work. Um, and then I'm going to figure out whether, you know, I really like the original ending too. So I, I have to figure out whether okay, let me ask you, and you know, you can cut this Jeff, but did, is the, the event is the same. It's just what her motive or de- what she deserves is different. The event is the same. Okay, because otherwise I'm having an intervention. <laughs> the event is the same. The, the okay. result of the event is slightly different. Okay. That's, that's, I will, I will say, okay, to that. <laughs> oh, I get it. Of course it's your book. I just mean that I, I passionately love this book. And oh. so that's awesome. Okay. My week. Oh, what about any consulting in your week? Yes. That you want to talk yes. about or too hard because I don't know. No, I, I had a great week with my um, clients. I read a couple of really amazing scripts. Uh, one of them was by one of your listeners and I just really enjoyed reading it and um, I'm excited for her, you know, moving forward. So I, and I, and I teach as well. So I, my classes were great this week. So yeah, that, that, that side was really fun. You're a busy lady yeah. teaching, consulting, writing a book. Wow. Parenting. Parenting. Yeah. So her parent, her, her kids are They're older. Left. Yes. Yeah. But that's still, you're still a parent forever. Don't lie to me. This whole, they turn 18, you're done. No, it's true. <laughs> I'm so worried. <laughs> Don't burst my bubble. Um, my week was good. I, to go to the slow festival, I had to get some pages done in terms of like a, a deadline. Honestly, somewhat self-induced, but you know, you have deadlines. There's, you want to get a script in, you, you have people waiting for it, people needing it. So that you can move forward, be that a writing partner, a director, whoever, like that the, these deadlines come up. And uh, what was interesting was I just got up at 6 a.m. and I wrote for six hours without moving. I think once I got up and walked around and came back because I had such pressure on myself to get this done so I could go to the festival without it on my back, without thinking about it, worrying about it. I get to the pages to who I needed to get them to. And uh what was interesting about that experience, and I've had this before, but every time you have it, it's interesting because I just don't have time to beat myself up and worry about what I'm writing. I just don't have time because that time pressure now takes, but you know, takes that's the thing I have to hit. I just, you just go like, I just wrote a lot. I wrote so much and I didn't worry about it. And um, I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's, I don't think it's terrible to not have that, uh, to not have that voice stopping you and worrying you'll get like, I, you know, every time that happens to me, I'm like, oh, maybe that voice isn't actually doing much for me. Like maybe it's not actually making it better because when you don't have time to listen to it, you can still write uh, some good shit. Um, I mean, there's stuff that needs work. Don't get me wrong. Of course, it's not perfect and it never will be. 
But um, that was fun. So that's the goal, everybody listening. I don't think it's terrible. Is the goal yeah. is the bar I mean, you're trying we're to writers. reach? <laughs> we're writers. No, that's for real. No, for real. That's the best self compliment. I think you can the self validation is. I don't think it's terrible. Terrible. And I kind of like this piece and that piece, and I kind of like this surprise that I didn't know was coming or whatever. Like, yeah, that's it. Because I don't know. Listen, there are times that I've loved what I've written and then you get the notes, you know, but my goal ultimately, no matter what other people think, be that a director or a studio, I can't control that. I, I need to work with them and, and get it there for them because it's their project. If you're working for hire, of course, but ultimately you have to write what you love. And if I love it and they're going to go on to another writer or whatever they're going to do, I'm okay with that because I fucking, I love it. I, does it mean that it's perfect? No. Does it mean it doesn't need work? No, but I love the characters. I love this plot thing. There's stuff about it that I love in there. So I do try. My, that is my ultimate goal is to love it uh, at least in pieces. Um, so it's not, I don't want to ever turn into a thing, uh, into a studio or a director that I'm like, yeah, it's not terrible. Like it does ultimately have to be something that I can, I was I teasing side. Okay. I know that I, I was teasing. Right. Okay. All right. All right. So let's move on to what we're really here for, which is Pat Berducci. Um, Pat. So we're just going to ask some broad questions to start about, um, you as a consultant, you know, just kind of like what, let's start with what your story is, how you broke into being a consultant for the industry. How did that happen? Well, it actually was really kind of like unintended and this weirdly natural thing. Cause I, you know, I, I went to film school. I got my MFA as a directing student at UCLA and I thought I wanted to be a director. And, um, you know, I, I got out of film school and I loved making films with my friends at film school. And it was very small crew and very like doable. And then when I got out of school, I ended up directing a feature and I just, it was like, I realized like, I'm not a director. It's like too much. It's too much questions, too many people. Just my brain does not really multitask that well. And so I really realized like, I actually love writing. That's kind of where I feel the happiest and the most creative. Um, and then I started, my friends started asking me to, you know, read their scripts and just give them notes. And and I did, and they were just like, Pat, you know, your notes are really good. You ask the right questions. And I realized that I really loved it, you know? And I always, I always liked school, you know, like reading things and analyzing them. And so it kind of put that part of my school brain together with story, which is my second favorite thing. And so, um, I don't know, I just came into it naturally. And then I realized like, you know, I actually, I, I actually would love to do this on a larger scale. And so I just started consulting, you know, and I, I absolutely love it. It's, it's very fun. And you've been around the world doing it too. Like, I mean, yeah. you get to, you've been to Italy and right. And where I was like, was it Bali? Oh my God. I went to Bali. Yeah. I was so lucky. I was, um, I, a guy organized a retreat in Bali where writers wrote a book in one month. Like we, we met before the retreat um, via just phone and we outli helped outline. So they had an outline when they went. And then for one month we were in Ubud in Bali and they just barfed their book out and it was amazing. And um, you can do it. I mean, they all finished. 
So that was fantastic. Let's the four of us do that in Bali for a screenplay. And then we, go to, we get to go to Bali for a month and we can write on our own, work on our own stuff and help other people. Let's done. Okay, we're doing it. I have decided. <laughs> okay, that's the screenwriting life retreat. Whoever was in, doing someone it. was in charge of helping us put that together. So that's what's happening. Bali yeah. is, I mean, we're going to end up in Arizona and that's fine. <laughs> right. uh, so <laughs> what does, what do you do? So someone reaches out to you and says, help yeah. talk us through what you do. <laughs> so, so it depends on what the writer needs. So writers come to me and they have different things that they're looking for. You know, some people come to me and they're like, Hey, you know, I've taken this, the script as far as I can take it. Like, I don't even know what to do anymore. The words have no meaning to me. I can't even read the pages, you know? And so what they're really looking for is someone with kind of objective eyes, you know, to just read it and give them feedback. And so um, what I do is, you know, I'll read their script twice and, and then we'll have a conversation. And basically kind of the way that I organize my feedback is, you know, I make notes on all the, the specific things that I really love in the script, like everything that's living, everything that's fun, alive. Um, and I tell the writer all those things, you know, and those can range from like a character that I love or the concept of the movie or the TV show down to like little, little lines that are really funny or great. Um, so we start with that. And then, um, and then I sort of take them through my overall thoughts for how they might strengthen the script. And, um, you know, I always say to the writers that I work with, you know, I'm going to be spitballing, we're going to come up with stuff together, but like, you know, use what resonates for you and that serves your vision and leave the rest. Because, you know, a lot of times I think, and I'm victim I'm a victim of this as well, is that I take everything everybody says so seriously that I think I should do everything. And that's absolutely not what I should be doing. You know, I should be listening to what they're saying and then letting it kind of percolate and, and then letting those top notes kind of rise up. The things that I know are gonna serve my vision for the script, you know? Um, and then we just, you know, we record, I record the conversation so that they have this, this thing to listen to, you know, of us talking about their script. Um, but then other people come to me and they're like, I can't write. Like I, I let everything else take over my schedule. I find it really hard to sit down. So they, they want kind of more external accountability, you know, so, so we might meet once a week, you know, and I read the pages they wrote. So they know that by this date, they have to turn in this many pages and then I'll give them feedback and We'll set a schedule so that they can finish. So it really depends on, you know, where the writer is and what they need. So you talked about a follow-up question, um, letting someone tell you the notes and then really responding to what's resonating. So how do you do that? When I get notes, everything comes in like a bullet, right? And I feel like everything feels emotional. And also the way my brain works is I feel like if I don't write it down and take it seriously, I'll forget it. And also, I really don't want to listen to myself being recorded. So <laughs> like if I were someone coming to you and you're giving me feedback and we're spitballing and I don't want to listen to the recording, which happened, Pat gave me brilliant notes and I, I think you sent me the recording and I was like, well, I'll never listen to that because terrifying. Um, I did afterwards take a walk and I was able to sort of process some of the higher thing, higher level things you said. I don't know, like, how do you do that? Or how do you help somebody take in what people are saying and not let it blow them out? Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that is such a great question. And like I said, I fall victim to it too, because I'm kind of a people pleaser. So I just think that I have to do every single note because, you know, so what I suggest to the writers that I work with is that, you know, sometimes when you get feedback, like you said, Lorian, it's just like overwhelming and there's little things and there's big things and, you know, all different kinds of things. And like you said, it's like a bullet, you know, just piercing your soft writer body, you know, and, you know, what I suggest is, um, you know, some people like to take notes when they're, um, when they get that, when they were having the call, you know, and they just write stuff down. But what I suggest that they do is like, just to take a couple of days and like not write anything down and just not just let it percolate in an unconscious way. Like, I love that you took a walk because, you know, by sort of being in your body, you're, you're allowing the notes to kind of be embodied in you, you know, as you're walking and as you're thinking. And so I always say like, take a couple days and then write down the notes that you remember that make your body feel good. Like my body feels like, yes, this is going to make my script a thousand times better, you know? Um, and then the other stuff, you know, save that for later. And then think about it. Like, does that note, you know, really serve my vision? Why am I, why am I bumping on that note? You know, I know you guys have talked about this on the podcast before. It's like, what's the note underneath the note? Are they just giving me an idea that, that sounds really weird? And is like, I just don't understand it. And like, what are they trying to solve for me? You know, but I always think like, there's those higher notes that you're just, your body feels good when you process them and you're like, yes, I'm going to do those notes. And so I just always suggest to do those first. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. Very validating. Have you you. ever just within that ballpark there, have you ever come up against blind spots in somebody that you're working with? Because sometimes it might percolate in your body, but you do actually have a blind spot to to it. How do you handle blind spots in your client? Yeah. So, so tell me your definition of blind spot. You know, the, the brain isn't quite ready yet to even face what you're saying. I don't even mean about craft. It might be about the character or, you know, I worked with a young man when I taught, uh, at a college grad school and, you know, he just didn't want to, I kept saying this character needs to confront his big brother about this. He can't just go out the window. Like the mo- the whole narrative is, is driving to this confrontation. It doesn't feel satisfying, but he just, there was a blind spot and he wasn't ready to have that confrontation or blind spots can be about larger issues of not knowing the craft, I guess, right? If you don't know how to write a big action movie and you're trying to write one, you could have blind spots about how they work. So I guess there's different kinds of blind spots. I'm thinking about this uh, as we talk. So you can tell me what you consider a blind spot. I mean, you work with far more people than I do. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. So yeah, I love that you broke that down into kind of two different types. Like there's an emotional blind spot and then there's like a craft blind spot, you know, I'll start with craft because that's a little bit easier to kind of deal with, you know? So just taking your example of, you know, someone who's wanting to write an action movie and, you know, there are certain conventions that go with that genre of movie, you know? And so, you know, if the person, if those elements aren't in the script in some form, you know, either as a reference to it or, um, you know, embraced, you know, we would talk through kind of like, um, what are the movies that they loved, you know, and then I might go off and watch one of those movies and go, okay, so that movie that you love has these kinds of scenes. How can we sort of mine those kinds of scenes for your film? 
you know, whether it's based on character or action sequences or whatever. So, you know, there's those craft conversations, you know, about, um, about just understanding kind of the beast that you're writing, you know, and then the emotion. And then figuring out that a lot of times they figure out, oh, I don't even want to write an action movie. Now that you tell me all that, I don't, like, I don't even care about all that. What I care about is this, right? And then you're like, well, then that's not an action movie, right? Like that's a blind spot. Cause you're like, well, I have to do an action movie because that's what sells. Yes. And so that's what you're writing, right? I mean, that's what I find often. Then you're like, you don't even really want to do an action movie or whatever. Yeah, no, exactly. And a lot of the work that I do around blind spots and what you're talking about too, is like going back to this question of like, why did you want to write this movie? Like, what was that moment? What was that spark? What was that moment where you got the idea and you were just flooded with all these kind of like imaginings, you know, in your brain, because because that helps you kind of get at the kind of movie you want to write, the emotions you felt when you thought about it, even thematics, you know, like sometimes you're, you get an idea and you're like, oh, this is about this, but it's really about this larger thing, you know? So it's going, it's going back to that stuff. But when I, when I feel like someone has an emotional blind spot, you know, I'm obviously I'm not a therapist in any way, shape or form. Um, but I will ask them, I will have them do exercises like, like I worked with one person who was really um, had a blind spot like this, but was was actually open to kind of exploring, you know, why they couldn't go there, you know. And so we ended up. I did an exercise where we started with, I had him write his character's biggest fear, and I encouraged him to go like really dark, like it's bad, paint the scene, write it out, give me details. What does it smell like? What does it taste like? What does it feel like? You know, and he wrote this really great, like two paragraphs of what his character's worst fear was. And then, and then I said, okay, now I want you to write down your biggest fear. And he, he went there, he was willing to go there. And you guys, it was the same. It was the same. And that's why the end of act two in his movie didn't have the depth that it needed to do because he wasn't able to, he wasn't willing to acknowledge that it was about him. It was about his fear, you know, and the thing that it's, it just scared the crap out of him. He didn't want to go there, you know, but once he was able to kind of see it on the page, I think he saw the value of it and he rewrote his second act and it was really good because he went there, you know? I love that. I love how storytelling is a vehicle often to evolve ourselves to, because this thing is asking you, it's bugging you, like, pay attention to me, write my story, write my story. And yet part of your brain is like, no, 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 I'll write part of it, but I'm not writing the whole kitten caboodle, right? That will kill us. And that, so it's so great to go to someone like you, Pat, who can help you just take the hand of that writer and say, like you did with that exercise, it's okay, right? You're not going to die. Um, I love that. Just a small side note, when I get notes, my process for letting it percolate is I complain about them a lot verbally to anybody, like not to anybody, because of course it's a lot of it's private, like to my husband, to Lorian, right? It's somehow verbally getting it out, all of my doubts and, ah, and why would they say that? And mom, that's dumb. It's so stupid. Okay, maybe it's not so stupid. Okay, actually, maybe it's a good note. Like I literally have to talk it out to go from that's the stupidest thing I ever heard that person does not know what they're talking about. And then verbally, like literally pretty quickly, I get to, oh yeah, that's actually a pretty smart note. 
oh, that's really good. It blows, like, I didn't even see that. It blows it up, but I have to verbalize it. It's really weird. I can't just do it in my head like an echo chamber. Um, so I don't know. So get your, get your uh, complaint group together. After you get notes is another possibility. I don't know. So another blind spot that I can get, right, is fatigue of working on a project, right? Where I get notes. Okay, I fix it. I get notes. I fix it. I get notes. Like that sort of like, yes, something is not working and I complain about it and I take a walk and like something is not working. When you get someone that comes to you and is like sort of lost why I started writing this, what I'm going to do with it. Like, how do you help them reconnect so that they can finish it? <laughs> yeah, that that's a great question. Um, it's different for every writer. You know, I think we've all been in that space where it's just like, I fucking hate this thing. Like, I don't even remember what the spark was. Like, I hate it. By the way, Meg, it's hilarious when you're talking about your, your process of like, I hate these notes. These people are stupid, you know, blah, 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 you know, and then eventually go, oh, that's a pretty good note. I'm like the opposite. I'm like, I'm horrible. I'm a terrible writer. Oh my God, these notes. I am terrible. And then by the well, end, what's like, underneath my complaining? Come on. That's course, exactly what I was <laughs> Of course. But mine starts with like, oh, I'm just terrible. And then I, by the end, I'm like, I hate you. And then, but I'm able to write because I hate them. You know, it, it, we go in reverse, but it's the same process. It's really <laughs> I'll um, show you. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll tell you're not so good. You don't even recognize it. It's so good. Yes, yes. Um, but Lorian, that's a great question because I think I think we all get to that place where we're just lost. Like we get like I almost feel like I'm kind of in that place, Meg, with the book, you know, that I'm working on, where it's just like that was my ending. I loved it. It was dark, but you know, then I got pushed back, and it's like I'm trying to kind of fix it, you know, or ex experiment with a different ending or whatever. Um, but I feel like when people come to me and they're really lost, it really is about creating that reconnection. And by the way, people come to me with scripts that they wrote like five years ago that no longer reflect who they are in the moment right now. Like they've moved to some other emotional place, you know, and they're concerned about different things than they were five years ago. And so, you know, sometimes we'll talk about like, okay, what was your original spark? what is something in this story now that you could feel excited about, you know, and it may be just seeing the story in a different way. Um, so, you know, first trying to figure out, can I reconnect them? Can they be reconnected? Um, and it's not really me reconnecting them. It's them feeling those feelings again, that excited them about the script, you know? And then sometimes like, honestly, you just have to put that script aside for a while. If you really feel like, like this is a burnt log. I've beaten it against the ground for like, a, it feels like a thousand years. And like, I just have to let it rest for a while um, and then get some distance so that I can come back to it and see what's good in it again and what I love and whether I'm willing to kind of, you know, rework it. Um, so, you know, and sometimes you just, I don't know if you, if you have talked about this in your podcast at all, but like, like, when do you, when do you release a script? You know, like, when do you just have to let it go for now? And, and, you know, because there's always the possibility that you're, you're, you're jumping to another project because you don't want to deal with the problems, you know, in this one. And so um, it's pretty complex, right? When you have a script and you just feel like unenergized, what do you, what do you guys do when you, when you have that feeling? Complain to Meg. <laughs> 
Um, I just sit and and bang the log against the ground, even if I'm uninspired. Um, but sometimes I leave it. Like um, I have a project, a passion project that I understand the notes and I agree with the notes and I actually aspire to even more than the notes are asking for. I just don't have the time to sit in it long enough. So I just have to wait until I'm ready and it's ready and I can have the time to, I just have such high aspirations for it. You know what I mean? Uh, that I'm gonna wait until I have the time to uh, push it in. But listen, I have old projects that even have producers sometimes call me and say, would you ever wanna take that out again? And the truth is, I. I I've read it and I've, and I have to face that I've moved on from this. Like I am a different person than I was when I wrote this and I care about different things or, you know, there was a biography I really wanted to do, but you know, she dies at the end because it's, and I'm like, I don't want that to be the message anymore that I'm sending to women that when you go up against the patriarchy, they will kill you. Like, I just like, I did at some point, at some point that was really important to me. I was like a I, I was like on a horn, like, yeah, listen to me. And now I'm like, yeah, no, I've moved on because there are ways to, to confront this and thrive. And, and I don't want the message to be, you die. So it, like, it's just, I changed in terms of where I was. So I totally can hear that, that, um, and sometimes I might be so locked in something psychologically that I don't, I want to write about the fantasy of it being different do you know what i'm saying like and it's kind of finding that enough juice from the way it is to give it gravitas and layers and emotion and yet the rest of it is just like i don't know what i wish i would have done let's just say instead of what i did um so it's it's always about self-reflection what i do which seems so simple but see is so hard which is i sit down and i print it out and i read it again because my idea of what it is and the notes and the idea of the notes can be very confusing. But if I print it out, sit down and read it, it's like, oh, okay. It is not actually working, right? Reading it on the computer is not good enough. I have to sit down and and see, and if that doesn't work, I'll card it out. You know, I'll write down each scene on an index card and lay them out on the floor in order. Like, oh, I, this isn't a real story here. I'm just sort of have a collection of scenes or whatever it is. Um, but that sort of creates an objectivity to it. But I don't read the thing from beginning to end enough sometimes to be able to really think about what it is I have versus what it is I think it is. That's so important. And suddenly I'm like, oh shit, I haven't read it a long time. <laughs> Okay, I better go do that. All right, Pat, in terms of consultants, can you talk about signs of you're working with a great writing coach and maybe the red flags of what maybe you should be worried about if you're getting? Oh, that's a good question. I never thought of that. Um, okay, if you're, if you're, I think if you're working with a great writing coach, you feel inspired. You feel excited. You want to go in, you know, that the person's asking you the right questions, um, you're having discussions that allow you to kind of think about your story in new ways that, you know, kind of reinvigorate it. Um, they're giving you, um, they're asking you questions that allow you yourself to kind of come up with stuff, you know? Um, so I, I feel like, like a good coach will inspire you. It's like a coach. It's like being a football coach, right? Like, it's like, you got this. What if you tried this? Like, you know, run, run in the end zone a different way or, you know, so, so there's an element of inspiration, but there's also an element of useful, practical tools 
to help you move forward. You know, like you guys said, you know, things that maybe the writer can't see that you can see because you're used to reading things and kind of understanding how things work um, and sort of pointing out the machinery to the person. Um, so yeah, I, I always think, you know, if you're inspired and you're excited about your project again and you see a way through, then that's a good um, writing consultant or coach. Um, will be some red flags. Yeah. Not obviously opposite, but is anything more specific about a red flag? Like maybe this isn't, or anyway, you know, by the way, it doesn't have to be a writing coach. It could be anybody you're getting notes from. Like yeah. I think there's red flags too. I think, I think someone who is, um, who is telling you things that, that don't actually, um, serve your vision, you know, like, like, like there are people who give notes where they're wanting your script to be something different than what it is. They're not, not actually serving your vision, you know? And so, so if someone's giving you notes, that's not really about the movie that you want to make, that's a red flag. You know, if someone is just giving you a bunch of random notes and you end up leaving the session feeling extremely downtrodden and like there's no hope, that's probably not good. Right. And so I guess th those would be the red flags, you know, or people saying this is the way it has to be like in the business, this is how it works. You need to, you, you do it this way or no way. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not that. Like you said, that's not consulting to a project. That's somebody and are people trying to show off, right? Like how much they know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. is also a, a problem. Yeah. And I also um, think really good writing consultants and coaches tell you what's working, tell, tells you what they like and what is like fertile, you know, in your story, because, um, then you know that they're also hooked in to your project and they want to help you kind of lean into that soil a little bit. Can you, you said this earlier too, something I love or something I like, can you be more specific about what that is, what you're responding to? Because like and love are sort of subjective to you, but what are you really responding to in a, in a script? Yeah. What I'm responding to is uh, two different things. I'm responding to the craft, right? It's like, is the story told in a way that's emotionally satisfying? And, you know, if, if, if so, where are the spots where it's really working? You know, where I'm feeling the emotions, I'm understanding the journey of the main character. And then conversely, it's like, where are the places where the machinery is not really clicking and where, you know, the structure feels meandery or whatever, you know, and then giving notes to help the writer kind of like make the machine stronger you know, in, on the craft level. So, um, so the things, the thing, like, for example, you know, if, if I'm reading a script and I, and I really, um, like, I don't feel anything in the climax, you know, I'm going to go back to act one and go, okay, why am I not feeling something here? And, um, you know, what if, what if we did this here and this would pay off, but when I'm responding to things that I, that I like, it's also to things that make a good story. So it's not just my opinion, it's, it's how the story is constructed. And, you know, I, I do know story, you know, and so I'm, I'm responding to things that are working in this story. Like this turning point is great because the character is acting out of fear or, you know, whatever. Um, and then on a smaller level, it's like, you know, I laughed out loud in this line. I thought it was really funny. I love what you're doing with this relationship. You know, I feel like there's so much like conflict or joy or whatever in that relationship. So it's just really me pointing out, I feel like I, like 
it isn't just specific to me. Like there are certain things that I really love. Like I love horror movies. I love really dark movies. So when I read a script, that's a horror movie or kind of a dark um, themed story. Like there's things that I really love that other people who read it might not love. Like it might scare them, you know, but mostly what I try to do with clients because they're all writing different kinds of scripts is like, what made me laugh? What made me scared? You know, um, I try to make them sort of a reflection of what's in the story you know? So great. I I love what you said about um, craft and structure supporting the emotional storytelling, which I think is such a beautiful way to talk about how important craft and structure are. Because we talk about that a lot, like character agency, narrative, but that the craft itself, the structure is what is supporting the emotional storytelling. I wrote that down. I'm going to write it on my board right under the Marty Noxon quote I'm obsessed with. So- You've made my board, Pat Verducci. You've made my board. I'm honored. I'm honored. (laughs) You know, it's always about the character, right? Everything. It's all about the character and the emotional journey. And you're right. Like that, that story structure supports that. And so how do we make the reader or the audience feel that some emotion, you know, at the end? I'm curious, Pat, um, you're talking about taste right now. And, you know, you're the first to admit that you love dark material. You like horror. I'm asking this question because I think it might help our writers as they approach giving notes to others. How do you manage material that you don't connect with from a taste perspective? Um, Because it's still your job as a coach to try to get that writer towards whatever there is in their heart. Yes, absolutely. That's such a great question. And, and like you said, it's, it's really important for your listeners, you know, when they're giving notes to somebody, like maybe rom-coms aren't their jam, you know, and it's like, I got to give notes on a rom-com. It's like, you know, I actually, when I, um, when I, I pretty much like most genres, you know, there's, there's very very few genres that I don't find a way into. Um, But let's say I get a project and it's like, it's in a genre that I'm not, not as familiar with, you know, cause, cause I feel pretty confident in most of the regular genres, but let's say I get like a really specific science fiction type project and I'm not that familiar, you know, I will actually I will actually go watch, I will ask the writer, you know, like, what are your favorite movies in this kind of tone? And I will go watch them so that I understand what they're trying to do. And sometimes I even write down, like, I'll break the story, you know, I'll write down what happens in these movies so that I can start to see how the machinery works. So in this way, like my clients really help me broaden my horizons, you know, and the kinds of um, ways that I can, you know, help them analyze what's working and not working. Um, but I always, I, I'm, I, like I said, I love school. Like I love to learn stuff. So I always love when people come to me with stuff that maybe it's not something I'm super familiar with because then I get to get familiar with it. That's awesome. So let's get to some, um, listener questions. Katie asked, what is the best use of her funds when it comes to perfecting her craft? So, you know, long-term mentors, our consultants, classes, like, you know, where should people be putting their money? Oh, that's a great question. Okay. So it depends on the writer. You know, it's like some people, um, some people really, some people just like to write. And then when they get stuck, that's when they need a consultant. You know, that's kind of like me. Like I like doing it until I just can't do it anymore and I need help, you know? And so some people just come to me and they're like, I've taken this thing as far as I can, you know, um, give me a read, you know? And so that's one way. And that's actually really valuable because you've taken it as far as you can. And, um, you know, spending that money to get professional eyes on your script can be hugely valuable, especially if you feel like you're close, 
you know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, if you're kind of an emerging writer and really just starting out, you know, I took a bunch of classes when I was first learning how to screenwrite and oh my gosh, it was so helpful to me, you know? Um, and I know UCLA Extension has some great online classes. You know, you have real writers, you know, teaching those classes. Um, they have classes in television writing and feature writing. And um, I, when I started writing this novel, which I had never written fiction before, I took three classes at UCLA Extension and they were incredible because it helped me, you know, some, some of the things were similar, you know, like storytelling structure, but there are other things about writing fiction that's so different from screenwriting that I really needed to be in those classes and start to understand the language. Um, and then, you know, if you're the kind of person who really feels like at sea and you want um, someone to kind of guide you through the process of writing something, you know, then, then maybe it's good to spend the money to get a coach to guide you through a process, you know, like from outline to the first draft you know, where you meet weekly and you discuss pages and you get to talk about the things that you're bumping against and they help you. Um, so I think it's different for each writer. I think maybe think about what do I need help with? You know, is it, is it just a one-off where I just need notes or do I want some more extended experience? And I will say that, you know, my clients that I work with who I do like 90 days to your feature script or whatever, my goal is that they never need me again to do that, that they get that discipline and that structure so that they can go off and write their next draft on their own. Awesome. What for you, let me just think about who asked this. I think it was Jason asked, what are kind of the most common challenges you see writers facing when they're coming into you? And just in terms of the craft. Yeah, craft. Um, I'm going to go back to what Lorian said, the emotional journey being number one, understood by the writer, you know, like really having the writer knowing what they're trying to do and understanding who the character is at the beginning and how that transformation has been kind of like created through the story, you know? Um, and, you know, once writers really find that, you know, then it's just like, okay, how do I get them there? What are, what are the things that they do or things that happen to them or obstacles that they have to face in order to kind of transform? Um, and then, Another, another thing that I've noticed um, that I think is, is a challenge in terms of craft is understanding the importance of the character's goal. And it's so basic. And I'm, even in my own writing, I'm constantly going back to this because like, oh, I forgot they needed to want something. And they're just like walking around in the desert in my story, you know? And so thinking about, you know, what the emotional need of the character is, and then what's the specific immediate goal they're pursuing in the in the TV show or the movie to kind of satisfy that emotional need and really kind of, you know, nailing that down. So let's say, so Colleen asks, what if you have a concept for a script, but you don't have a story, you don't know what the main character wants, like what's the best way to brainstorm or get at that character want to create the story? Okay. Um, so the, there's many ways, obviously a million ways to kind of do this. Um, one thing that I do when I'm starting a project is I will do a clustering exercise. And basically what that is, is I will write down the name of my main character on a piece of paper. And by the way, I found it's really important not to be doing this on the computer to actually have a pen or a paper. There's like this physiological thing that happens. I don't even know. Um, but I, I write their name in the middle of the page. I circle it. And then I set a timer, usually my phone, you know, for three minutes. 
and I just write down everything that comes into my brain about this person, like stream of consciousness, even if it's crazy or stupid, I just write it down or whatever. And then what I do underneath that is I write down what I think their emotional need is. And, you know, this can change, but like, what do they want? Do they want love? Do they want respect? Um, do they want revenge? Like, what is that emotional driver that is driving them? Um, and I'll write that underneath the cluster. And then underneath that, I'll write down, okay, so they've got this emotional need. Like, what is this? What could this specific immediate goal be? Like, it, let's say they're, you know, for example, they're, they're, um, their emotional need is for love. It's like, I'm going to make Joe fall in love with me. I'm going to make Meg fall in love with me. I'm going to, I'm going to make Lorian propose to me. That's going to be my goal in the movie, you know? And so it's like, you get that, you get that emotional need, you get that specific immediate goal. And usually I write like five or six immediate goals, like, because it could be different things. Right. And then I write down, I brainstorm about what their biggest fear is what are they most afraid of? And it's usually related to their emotional need so that I can start to see the larger picture of what's driving this person, you know, and how I can find a way for them to try to get what they need emotionally in the story. Well, thank you, Colleen and Pat, because now I know what my homework is today when I'm trying to come up with this new idea, I'm going to do your cluster exercise and see what comes up. Awesome. Carly asked about any tips you have for making act two compelling when it starts to lag and lose momentum. Yes. Act two, you know, the desert, the, the long stretch of 60 pages, especially in a feature, you know, um, one thing that, that I find really helpful about act two is thinking about it in two pieces. Like there's act two a before the midpoint and then act two B after the midpoint. And I find that if you if your act one turning point in a feature is really working and they're they set off on a quest, that helps you kind of burn through act two A, you know. And of course, there's obstacles and challenges or whatever, but that midpoint is your savior. It if you have a strong midpoint in the middle of act two, where something happens that turns the story in the new direction, or your character makes a decision out of their fear you know, that helps turn the story to help you kind of lead into everything falling apart for them, you know, which then they have to rise up out of in act three. So sometimes when act two feels kind of like episodic or people are just kind of wandering around, it's because you're missing kind of this central um, action in the middle of act two that can really help you. Um, I find the want is part of that too. Yes. If want isn't clear and we in the audience don't also want it, they are just kind of wandering around and, and, and observing versus every scene they're going for their want and getting a pushback. It, it ha creates more electricity and more momentum, right? Yeah. And, and that's great, Megan. And, and to add to that, like stakes underneath that want, right? Like the more we understand that there's huge emotional stakes or physical stakes or whatever underneath that want, like act two can't help, but, um, generate more conflict, you know? And another thing to think about in act two is that, you know, if you have a strong antagonist or an antagonistic force in, in, your, in your story, who's going in direct opposition to your main character, in act two, what happens is the conflict rises because if they both have really strong wants that are in direct opposition with big stakes underneath their wants, they're not gonna give up and it's just gonna get worse and worse and worse, right? Um, so sometimes that's helpful to think about. It's very helpful to think about. Of course, on every time we have a guest on, I'm always like, oh God, writing all these notes, like, right, do I have that in my scripts? 
Um, so what's that, Meg? Of course, same for me, always. Yeah. yeah. So thank you. Say, thank you, Pat. But also I just want to say real quick for everybody out there who finds this helpful, which I do. Um, Pat also has some videos on craft on YouTube, right? It's YouTube, right? Yeah. Um, that you can go listen to that are really, really good. Um, even just refreshers, right? Even if you think you know already, like we just said, even us sitting here listening, it's a great refresher or inspiration. So you can find Pat on uh, her YouTube um, craft videos. It's film It's film courage, which is great. They interview lots of different kinds of people and they, I was lucky enough to get interviewed by them. So yeah. Awesome. Well, of course cool. we should mention Pat, not only that, but you consult. So of course, if, I mean, like I'm already like, why have I not hired Pat? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why haven't you all hired that? Pat, so, thank you so yeah. much for coming on the show. We do have three questions that we ask every guest at the end. So um, I will ask the first one. What brings you the most joy when it comes to writing? The most joy that I feel when or I'm- Or consulting, writing or consulting. Okay. You, have, you have two buckets you can use either. Okay. So when I'm writing, the thing that brings me the most joy is when I just allow myself to be free and that voice in my brain shuts off and I'm just like, my character's talking to me. That is, that's probably the biggest high I get from writing. And then from consulting, my biggest high is when, you know, someone says, thank you. I know, I know, I know I can go forward now. You know, like I have some thoughts. So yeah, those are my two. Lovely. What pisses you off about writing and consulting? What pisses me off about writing is that it's never going to be as good as I think it was going to be in my head. That, I, like Meg, I love that you were talking earlier about that that project. That's like your state, your personal stakes around it are so high. You know, it's just like I get I get so mad that that I I can my thing will never be what I first imagined it to be. But but then I realize, okay, there's little moments that I think that even are even better than I imagined because I didn't know those things when I started. Um, and there's really no nothing that pisses me off about consulting. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> and the last question, Jeff, do you want to ask it? Sure. Uh, we'll go to your work, Pat, because you know, you're a, you're a produced director in the industry, which is a huge achievement. But in terms of all of your work, either that's been made or maybe is yet to be made or even you know this novel you're working on, is there something that you've written that you'd love to be remembered by? Oh, wow. Um, I think the, the book that I'm writing now, I mean, like, you know, it's a mystery thriller and like, I'm just a huge fan of people who write them. And so I would love to be able to be one of them. Does it have, you probably can't say if it has a name or not, or for us to keep our eye on it, or you can keep it all under wraps if you want. We'll let everybody know when it's published. Yes. Oh, I don't, I don't have a final title yet. Okay. Yeah. Thank we will keep the audience can't posted because I'm read dying. It. I know. I need a good like. Can't read. Wait. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for coming on the show. It was amazing. And uh, yes, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. But I had such a great time. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. If you haven't yet, join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life. And also please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, Jeff has this goal of a thousand reviews and uh we need some more to help Jeff get to his goal. And Pat, if people want to hire you as a consultant, where's the best place to do that and reach you? Pat at patverducci.com. As an email, pat at patverducci.com. And remember, you are not alone. 
keep writing.